this morning, I'll be offering some instructions on working with emotions. And as we begin the practice this morning, allow yourself to notice settledness to whatever degree it's present. Settledness of the body. And of a mind that is more gathered, more woven together. Last night I used a lot of imagery from nature. And one way that you can hold or relate to emotion is as though it were a beautiful and majestic animal. with the gentleness, the presence of mind, and patience, you can begin to learn from this majestic animal that we call emotion. It has a lot to teach you. just like in nature, sometimes there are animals that we can see and other times there aren't. So in today's practice, you don't need to go searching for if there's something that's here now, then you can try practicing with it. And if not, then you can stay with mindfulness of the body or the breath. And perhaps use these instructions later. So right now, 
with this steadiness and embodied presence. Notice if there's any feeling or mood that's present. And remember this gentleness that we've spoken so much about, the feather on the cotton ball. And so as you sense into whatever feeling or mood might be present, you may have an intuition, a sense of feeling as though there is capacity, there is the ability to meet this emotion, to hold it. Or you may have the sense that this isn't the right time. And so this intuitive knowing is very important. It's just as Gil talked about with pain, we use the mindfulness to discern in a moment Is this something that can be met now? Or is it not quite the right time? And emotions have the same nature as everything else. So just like sound, the sound of my voice, it arises, it exists and changes, and then it disappears. And sometimes when working with emotion, we can forget this underlying nature of the emotion, that it too is subject to change. And as you continue to stay with whatever 
feeling or mood might be present, noticing its changing nature. It may increase in intensity. It may decrease. Or it may change only slightly. Another quality of emotion is the relationship of the attention to the emotion. So sometimes the attention can get lost in the emotion. It can feel like wandering in a fog. And so at times like this, stepping back, way back, taking a wide view, allowing a lot of space in the mind and the heart And this allows us to see that it's just fog. It rolls in. It's there for a while. And then it rolls out. There's no center to the fog. If we try to find it, we get lost. Wandering in the fog. We can also have a reaction to what we're noticing, to the emotion itself. Not liking the anger. Not liking the boredom. Or wanting more joy, trying to hold tight to it. noticing 
how you are making contact with the emotion. Is there something extra? Something that's not needed, the wanting or the pushing? And instead, can you stay with this majestic animal, learning, watching, but also respecting with this gentleness and this kindness? And often, when we're with emotion, there can be more than one emotion. There can be layers. There can even be thoughts that are subtly feeding or nourishing the emotion. or that trigger the emotion. And so we don't need to go chasing after the thoughts. But we can notice that thinking is happening with this emotion. Is there some view that we're not noticing that's helping to keep the emotion, keep it stuck or caged. And at times, emotions can be very strong. And so being with them, making contact with them can be difficult. So in this case, it can be helpful to drop more into the body almost as though you're tracking the animal rather than watching it directly. What are the tracks that you can notice in the body? Where is fear felt? 
Where is contentment felt? And remembering to notice places where it's not felt in the body. And so we can bring the full capacity of the body as a support. Knowing that fear is fearing, anger is angering. But there's this capacity of the body to hold the entire body. So bring in the breath as a support. Particularly in times of difficult emotions. Intentionally taking a slightly deeper inhale and exhale. And also not forgetting the power of a gentle note. It's just fear. It's just boredom. It's just joy. 
so we can acknowledge and meet and honor the emotion, but not get lost or push it away or hold on to it. At times, the heart and the mind can be very confused, not knowing how to meet or work with an emotion. Feels as though we're spinning. And at these times, It's really helpful to keep the practice simple. Feeling the feet in the walking meditation. Hearing the sounds, resting with hearing. even practicing with seeing, gently opening the eyes to bring the awareness slightly more external, not quite so internal, struggling with the emotion. So these are all skillful means. And then there are times when we simply need to take a break. Knowing as we sense with the mindfulness, with the steadiness, that there's not quite enough energy or capacity to be with. And so we then practice a meditation of not meditating taking a break. And this too is practice. It's a wise discernment in the moment. But this should really be a last resort because this often is our default. It's easier to avoid, to not notice, 
and at times it can be very helpful, but we don't want to overuse it because we're developing these capacities of mindfulness and concentration. steadiness of the heart and the mind to be with the range of experience. To hold it with a field of gentleness, kindness and patience. The root of the word emotion is to move, to move outwards. So we provide the conditions, not being stuck, not holding but allowing it to be known, to be acknowledged and not to be clung to. This too is subject to change. So throughout your practice today, if there are times when emotion is present, you can try any of these suggestions, any of these skillful means particular to notice 
positive emotions, even fleeting ones, because these help to nourish. They strengthen the heart and the mind. They're a support to the mindfulness and the concentration. brief moment of calm. Contentment with this wonderful environment. Awe for the beauty of nature. Nisargadatta, who is the teacher of many of my teachers, once said, Wisdom tells me that I am nothing. Love tells me that I am everything. The mystery of my life flows between these two.
So are there any questions about practice? Yes. Yes, <clears throat> it's a great question, and I use them quite loosely, so I acknowledge that just from the beginning. Um, I deliberately use mind-heart um, because in my own practice, I find that they are inseparable. And often in English, when we say the word mind, it can connote a certain abstract, um, almost like not quite with the texture or the feeling of the experience. While my own practice has taught me that um, these two are actually part of any given experience, there is both the awareness component, that which is the knowing side of it, and then the knowing is actually making contact with something. So there's some sort of resonance or texture with what is being known. And so when I say mind and heart, I'm referring to these two components, both the knowing capacity, and also the way that the knowing is holding or meeting or touching the experience. And um, I think we mentioned um, one of the earlier evenings, the word chitta um, is, has this connotation of uh, both mind and heart. And in Chinese, the word is nian, which is actually the f top character is um, the present, and the bottom is xin, which is heart and these two together, so it's the present heart in the present moment, this presence that are inseparable. And so I use it that way uh, kind of loosely, but there are distinctions, and actually um, when some of the teachings are referring to mind, it's much more this quality of, uh, it can be an intentionality around even the skillful use of thought or things like that. But for my purposes, I try to keep it simple. It's both what is being known and then what is the resonance or what is the relationship to what is being known? So I hope that's helpful. Can you go back to fog? Yes. And so the question is? I'm in the fog, <coughs> fog a lot, both literally and figuratively, so I can't remember how to put it in context. Yeah. Um, so again, from my own practice, which I try to speak as much as I can from that. Um, emotion has this, um, often, not always, but often, can have this quality of when we meet it, it's as though um, we meet it with the expectation of trying to find its source or its origin. It's like we're trying to find the center of the emotion. And so my experience of that has been spending many <laughs> hours and many even weeks at times being lost in the fog because I didn't know that what I was looking for was the center of this emotion. And so I was walking in the fog trying to find where's the center of the fog. And actually what I needed to do was step back, way back. It's almost like looking at the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, before the fog rolls in. If you stand way back on a hillside, then you'll see as the fog rolls in and it can obscure the bridge for a while and you see it and then it can roll out. But if you're standing on the Golden Gate Bridge, 
and it just there's a general haze, but you, there's no sense of what's there. And so I found that to be a useful um, image for me. At times, I can just ask the question, oh, am, am I in the fog? And then sometimes that'll help to open up much wider and just kind of rest back and recognize that just like fog, it'll roll in, it'll be there for a while, and it'll roll out. So. Yes. Um, I would take this as an active inquiry for your own practice. Um, they're very related. So um, one thing that we can notice is sometimes a thought can trigger an emotion. So we can think, for example, let's say if we think about somebody with whom we have maybe a difficult relationship where there's some struggle just thinking of that person can generate frustration, can generate some anger or anything. And so that's how thought sometimes can generate emotion. Other times, emotion can generate thoughts. So if we're staying with a powerful state like fear, then it can spin out all kinds of thoughts about um, this will be here forever, or this is only going to get worse or all the different thoughts that kind of come out of that state of fear. And at other times, um, it can be so subtle. There can be something in the body that is there that is also generating thoughts or is linked strongly with the emotion. So I found um, in my own experience, and not that this is any definitive answer, but that emotions tend to be a constellation of many things. And so we can get caught in a loop between thought and emotion. And what takes us out of that loop between point A and point B and going back and forth, back and forth is actually going to a point C. And the point C is where we start to, in whatever way we can, find some different way of holding that pattern. Oh, look, every time I walk by this particular space and I see that there's a pair of shoes that somebody put a little bit out in the walkway, I get a little frustration. And so we are not so focused on the content. We're much more interested in the process. How is this loop continuing to happen? There's something that's cycling. There's something that's sticky in this process. And so it can be a very gentle curiosity and that can help to break the loop or use any of the other skillful means that I mentioned. But it's a way of being able to kind of work with. I think that's a great koan. <laughs> um, can I answer your question with a question? What has been your own experience as you've gotten to know your own mind, 
your own mind-body process better? What has been your experience? Yeah, and so as you've noticed that, as you've understood that, what has, what has been your experience? So what has that understanding brought you? Thank you. I just want to thank you for sharing that because I think in what you're sharing is there's some very profound bits of wisdom there. So one is that you already know, and it's not somebody else telling you, you have the direct experience of being able to let go of some degree of something that's painful, something that is challenging. So that, I would say, is perhaps one of the most powerful answers to your question, is you directly know from your own internal first-person, first-hand experience, this is possible, that this too can be let go. And what then follows from the letting go? There's that sense of release or even just a, an unwinding or an unbinding. And then the other piece is that um, you're describing also in a beautiful way, what do we do when we work in those periods where it feels um, kind of um, desolate? That's my word, not yours. Uh, that's the way I'm feeling it. It can feel kind of bleak at times, right? And there can feel a sense of, I'm not quite sure, this feels very sticky, or um, it feels as though there's, I'm not sure what to do with this. And so in Buddhism, there are things that are talked about as the paramis, which are these qualities that we develop. And they s they're said to be um, developed over um, lifetimes even. And so one of the paramis that we can hold is patience, or we can hold um, any of these different paramis. So that these qualities that we're strengthening, just being moment to moment with it, just continuing to show up, but we trust based on the knowledge that you already have of that letting go is possible, that whatever it is, this too can be let go. And so there's this beautiful symmetry that can happen between these qualities that we cultivate. And it's actually in the difficult times that we're strengthening them the most. 
as opposed to the easiest times. We like to think that, at least I like to think, that the easiest times, that's when the practice is, oh, it's just right. But it's not when I've actually developed the qualities. It's only been when it's been very challenging that I've developed them. So. But I would hold this as a, it's a very important question. So thank you for um, sharing. Um, so I want to uh, get to some announcements. And if you do have questions, um, you can feel free to leave me a note or ask uh, any of the teachers in the interviews. Um, so, the, so 